Uh, I'm just curious, has anybody ever heard of a lady by the name of Joyce Rush, R-O-U-S-H? Well, she's from Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne Indiana, and um, she donated one of her kidneys to a 13-year-old boy. And when I bring that up, you, you, know, you don't think a whole lot about that because kidney transplants are so very common now, and people donate kidneys so very much these, uh, in this day and age. Um, several years ago, though, this was not that common. But yet, in the day and age that we live in now, uh, there are people who receive kidney transplants, and, and uh, there are people who give their kidneys, even though they are still alive, uh, they give their kidneys to somebody else. Uh, many years ago, in fact, it was about, um, I guess it was about maybe almost 20 years ago, now 19 years, 18 years ago, some of you remember a basketball player who played for the San Antonio Spurs by the name of Sean Elliott who needed a kidney transplant, and his brother gave him one of his kidneys, and, you know, that was quite a big deal back then, but now it's very common. Um, when I was preaching in Cleveland, Tennessee, there was a young man there that needed a kidney transplant, and they kept looking for donors, and it ended up his uncle was a match, and his uncle uh, gave him a kidney. Uh, most of the time when people need a kidney, though, and they can't find anybody to give them one, it's not a proper blood match or whatnot, they go on the transplant list, and uh, usually it's somebody who is a victim of a car accident or some other tra uh, uh, sudden tragedy that uh, they decided to put on their license that they want to be organ donors, and if they have a viable kidney, uh, uh, their kidney is given, of course, to somebody who's on the list. The only problem is the waiting list for a kidney oftentimes is hundreds and hundreds of people, and they take the one with the uh, best results of surviving the transplant and also with the most need. And so sometimes there are the situation where somebody else will die and somebody else will uh, get a new kidney. And so out of tragedy, there comes tr triumph. Uh, one person's death leads to another person uh, living a more, life, a more no normal life. But back to this uh, Joyce Rush uh, like I said, you probably haven't heard about her, but I bet if you went on the internet and punched in her name, you'd find all kinds of things about her. There's websites about her. There's uh, news stories about her. In fact, she even did a TED Talk, and you might not know what a TED Talk is, but it's pretty significant for that organization to ask you to do a TED Talk. They think that you have some information that needs to be in part that nobody else has. It's just quite an honor. So why all this fuss about her? Why the TED Talk? Why the websites? Why the news stories about her? Well, the reason why she got so much not notoriety, and like I said, this happened a long time ago, but she is the first person in history to give a kidney and still be alive to a total stranger. She had heard about a 13-year-old boy who lives over in Maryland that needed a kidney, and the parents weren't quite sure what they were going to do because they could not find a match. Um, they didn't know if he was going to survive as he waited on the donor's list. And so she heard about this story, and she thought, well, I'll just see if I'm a match. And even though she lived all the way over in Indiana, she got the, her doctor to find out from his doctor what the criteria was for a match, and sure enough, she was a match. And even though she had never met this boy, even though she knew nothing about him whatsoever, 
she gave him one of his kidneys. Now, that amazes me because of the fact that um, that takes so much compassion. That takes love for a stranger. That takes uh, just maybe more than I can even comprehend that she decided to make this step. But now, even in this congregation, I think about the fact that Jeremy's mother needed a kidney. And I was asking him about this the other day, and, and um, I don't know too many of the details about it, but her, his mother needed a kidney, and they were having a hard time finding a match so she could get a donation. And at Free Hardeman University, where uh, Jeremy's dad works, and you've met him, he's been here many times before, you met both of them, uh, they just made an am- announcement in chapel one day how that Miss Evans needed a kidney. And uh, if I remember correctly, Jeremy told me three different students volunteered, uh, four different students volunteered. The students in college, really no relationship with her or whatnot. I don't know if even the kids even had his dad for a class. And it ended up that out of the four of those students, there was one student who was a match. And he made the decision, even though he had his life ahead of him as a college student, and finishing up college and starting a new career, and perhaps starting a new family, uh, he decided that he was willing to sacrifice one of his kidneys uh, to give to Jeremy's mom. And the surgery was done, and the surgery was success. And um, Charlotte now has a, a better life because there was someone who really had no relationship with her other than the fact that there was a connection with Free Hardeman University. They weren't related. There really wasn't a friendship there. It's just the fact that here was a student who saw a need and was willing to sacrifice what was needed so that uh, Charlotte could have the um, kidney that she needed. And um, once again, that just amazes me, especially I can maybe understand it with a woman who's, who is mature and, and, and understands about life and has compassion on a 13-year-old boy willing to do that. But here's a young person. And often young people are very selfish, oftentimes they are very immature, oftentimes uh, they can't see beyond the day that's in front of them, but yet here was somebody, along with three others that were willing, but here was somebody to actually go under the knife and become a kidney donator um, to somebody that they rarely, very, very, really didn't know very a whole, much, a whole lot about. Now... <clears throat> As we think about Joyce Rush and we think about the situation there at Freed Hardeman, obviously we can make a connection tonight that I think is a very important connection. And that is, there is somebody who was willing to do something for us, somebody that is willing to, uh, somebody who had perfectly good health, if you will, and gave a vital, vital part of himself to the people who are even some yet unborn, that they might have a chance at life. And obviously you know what I'm talking about. You've heard this story many times before. But I think it's a story that we need to be reminded of each and every day because uh, it's so relevant to me, it's so relevant to you, all because we get to enjoy a very special life because somebody was willing to make a very generous donation so long ago. Our story, of course, begins with a big dilemma. In our case, it isn't a matter of kidney disease, but it's a matter of more far-reaching consequences. 
It's not a matter of us dying a physical death. It's the matter of us dying a spiritual death. It's the matter of the fact that because of sin and the transgression of the laws and the principles of, of, of our Creator, then we deserve the death penalty for our sins. Uh, we are like prisoners on death row just waiting for the verdict, the sentence to be carried out. We're dead men walking. But instead of the fact that um, uh, trying to have to deal with that situation on our own, even though we know Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, even though Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, God sent His Son into this world as a redeemer, as a substitute, yea, even tonight as a donor, because He donated His life for our life. We were so in need of a righteous life. We maybe even had tried to live a righteous life to the, to the very best of our ability, but it wasn't enough. Our life was too weak. Our life wasn't adequate. Our life was just, me, just a life that was going to lead to death. But he substituted or donated his perfect life in our place so that we could have eternal life or be made righteous in His sight, and thus have a righteous life. Now we think about that, and we've heard that story so many times that we sometimes lose the impact of what's going on here. But in some small way, it's just like a perfect stranger hearing somebody that needed a kidney, never met this person before, don't know anything else about this person. All they saw was a need and because of compassion, because of love, because it was something that was needed, regardless of whether that person deserved it, regardless of whether or not we might think it's fair that they get your kidney and you don't get to keep your kidney, or they get your kidney and somebody else doesn't get your kidney. When you think about Jesus Christ, and you think about how that he was residing in perfect health, in a perfect home, living what will be soon a perfect life, well, the passage that Jeremy read for us a few moments ago from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was equal with God. He was in perfect health, residing in a perfect home in heaven. He was the ultimate in justice and love and truth. Anything that any, could be anything because he was God. But yet, because of man's dilemma, because of my dilemma, because of your dilemma, even though he didn't have to do anything, even though we didn't deserve it, even though there was a possibility that we may reject it, even though the possibility after he had done what he'd done and we appreciated it for a short period of time, but then still rejected it, he willingly offered himself to pay the debt that we had incurred to take the penalty that is ours. He donated his righteous life 
because we didn't have a righteous life. And thus we have one of the greatest demonstrations of love that we can ever, ever comprehend. Paul could scarcely get over the magnitude of this. In Romans chapter 8, beginning of verse 7, he says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We've heard that verse many times, but I don't think we appreciate the what Paul was saying and how this just overwhelmed him that this was the case. Notice what he says once again. He says that there was a righteous man out there somewhere, somebody that deserved it, somebody that you know, was a good guy, that he had everything right, that it makes sense that Jesus would want to die for him. Or maybe just somebody a little bit lower than that. Uh, Somebody that um, was, you know, a pretty good man, still deserving. Uh, He needs some extra help. But that's not what happened. The point of the text says that, and while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. In other words, he died for the most undeserving people on the face of the earth. And that's each and every one of us because each and every one of us are sinners. As I think about Joyce Rush and I think about that student at Freed Hardman, whatever his name is, they could have taken the attitude, well, if I do this for you, what are you going to do for me? What kind of benefit will I gain out of this? If I do this for you, I hope that you're always thankful and always willing to invite me over for dinner or something to let me know how much you appreciate uh, the extended life I gave you. Or maybe they could have taken the attitude, well, I know I'm a match for you, but let's talk for a while. Let's see if you're really deserving. If I extend your life with my kidney, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Are you going to be helpful to mankind? Are you going to dedicate your life to a certain project? Are you going to make good use of this kidney I'm giving you so you live the life as full as you can live? Because you're taking a part of me. This is something that is mine. I only have two kidneys and I'm giving you one. Now we're thankful, especially in Jeremy's mother's case, that that wasn't the attitude that took place. But when you look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 8 and you think about how that God demonstrated his own love toward us and while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not knowing how we were going to turn out. Obviously knowing that we're not worthy of it. Obviously not knowing whether or not we would dedicate our life to a better cause or love him more or do anything else. The fact that we were still sinners... He was willing to offer himself for us. The story of Joyce Rush and the story of this Freed Hardeman student giving up a kitty for a stranger is very moving. But what about the story of Jesus Christ? What about the fact that he gave his life for you? You know, we oftentimes talk about how that faith is the beginning point of conversion and how that faith is the ending point of our salvation. And we need to understand that that faith begins with this particular idea. 
that there was someone named Jesus Christ who because of the mercy and grace of God and because of God's love and Jesus Christ's love and His obedience to His Father, He was willing to donate to us one of the greatest things that mankind ever needed, and that is a righteous life. We forget about that sometimes. We were in so need of a way to be able to stand before God and God and tell God, God, I need to spend eternity with you. Even though I've sinned, even though uh, I've done all these things, even though I'm not worthy. And it's all because there was a substitute. It's all because there was somebody who was willing to stand in our place. There was somebody who donated their life so that I could have a righteous life. And folks, that's the beginning of faith, and that's also the end of faith. Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 26, simply says this, For you are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It begins with faith. That faith is demonstrated by being baptized in the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. But that's my hope and prayer tonight that whenever you think about anybody donating anything to somebody that perhaps is a stranger, to somebody that perhaps is undeserving, to somebody that perhaps will never do anything other than with that donation didn't waste it, think about the fact that God gave us the greatest donation we could ever ask for, we could ever need. And he did this when we were undeserving. He did this with the aspect of not knowing how we would respond. He did this knowing that there would be no way in the world we could ever repay him for the great gift he gave us. But yet, he gave us his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?